Good morning, I'm Paul, host of the new PNL podcast and founder of the new PNL Brand Purpose Institute, where we work with business leaders, employees, and entrepreneurs just like you and empower them to build brands with purpose on purpose. And we do this because we believe business needs a new PNL, one that is focused as much on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss. Because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose, and your leadership has a clear vision and focus and strength and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. The new PL podcast is now listened to by business people, leaders, employees, and entrepreneurs in over 80 countries right across the globe. And this is something we're really proud of. So starting this week, we're going to do a little weekly shout out to our listeners in one of the countries we listen to. And as I'm originally from Aotearoa, New Zealand, I'm going to start this week by giving a shout out to everyone listening to this podcast in my homeland. Thank you for listening and thank you for your continued support and belief in the new PNL. We're on a mission to create a movement for more principled leadership and more purpose-led business. And you, as a listener, are part of this movement. And if you want to help us grow it, then send a link or a recommendation to your colleagues or your managers or your business networks in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Let's keep the movement going. So this week's guest is the phenomenal Clifford Starks. Clifford is a former professional athlete and highly successful mixed martial arts UFC cage fighter. After he retired from his professional cage fighting career, Clifford took all the hard learned lessons from his professional sporting career and began his own entrepreneurial journey as a transformational coach and leadership development mentor. Clifford helps business leaders and entrepreneurs to refine their resilience improve their performance, and manage their minds using his Power of Six transformation methodology. So Clifford, a very warm welcome to the new PNL Principles and Leadership and Business podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Um, perhaps we can start the conversation with you giving listeners who are not familiar with you or with your uh, professional uh, career, a little bit of an overview of what you do and who you do it for. Yeah, yeah. So uh my my main profession is to help entrepreneurs really get their time back so that they can do the things that they want to do in their life you know ultimately we we go in to to life with a, a game plan to get to where we want to go and quickly realize it's not going to plan the way that we had liked mm -hmm. and so what i do is we all have blind spots you know myself included and when someone can look at those blind spots and, and point you in a different directions, leverage starts becoming a heck of a lot easier and you start getting into alignment into your your most purposeful self. Yeah. So that's what I help entrepreneurs do is really just live in their purpose and their impact. And you have developed the power of six. It forms a foundation of your total alignment program that you deliver mm -hmm. when working with, with business people and entrepreneurs. Can you talk me through the essence of of what the power of six is and how you work with clients to apply each of the these principles in their lives yeah absolutely uh the interesting thing it actually started through my personal uh, uh personal training process mm -hmm. and as a personal trainer i went from that to fighting in the ufc to being an entrepreneur and i realized like oh my goodness, there's certain philosophies and principles that show up every single time, regardless of what you're going after. 
And so what I did was I reverse engineered, how do I get people the results that I get them? Because uh, one result can be, I need more time. One result can be, I need to lose weight. One result can be, I need a job promotion, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. If I can figure that result out, everything else becomes seemingly easier. And so I, I came up with a foundation of really getting these six core pieces in place because when people have those six pieces in place, uh, the action's always secondary. And that's what can get us in trouble is we think the action's first. If I take the action, I'll get to where I wanna go. But if that were true, it wouldn't matter whether you were running with, uh, running with cleats on, on a track or running just barefoot. You know, yeah. there's certain tools and processes that have to build traction to move you forward on your journey. And that's what the power of six really does. And what areas of, of life does the six principles cover or what areas of professional and personal life? What are those principles? So ultimately I keep it super simple because I, I go on three specific things that people need and that's the right belief system, the right skills and the right habits. Mm -hmm. And when you can get those, you're winning on your journey. And so in order to get that process going, you know, I start with clarity, confidence, and commitment, really getting clear on what your objective is, getting confident in it, and getting committed in the process. And what's interesting, confidence is a very fascinating one, because depending on how you frame something um, is going to frame what confidence is. What I love about confidence is if you're unconfident in something, that means you can get confident in that thing. The only problem with that is if you get confident in that thing, you want to stick to only that thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you might develop a skill set, but you'll stick in that skill set. And that's the same thing. It, it's come in my journey. You know, I went from fighter to entrepreneur. I was still in my prime as a fighter, yeah. but it, the risk wasn't worth the reward to me anymore. Mm -hmm. I had my first kid and I had to make a decision. And it wasn't worth like, okay, if I get punched in the head, if I get kicked, if I get hurt, what am I going to do? And so that's when I said, I'm walking away from this. And yeah, I was a very confident fighter and I wasn't as confident as an entrepreneur, but I was confident in my ability to adapt and change because yes. that's what life gives us. It's just going to give us what it gives us and we get to make a decision. You mentioned two of the, two of the principles at the top end of that answer, habit and belief. I wondered what your view was on whether you have to be habitual or some about something to create the belief or whether you have to have the belief to create the habit. What comes first between those two? Yeah. So, you know, when I said actions are secondary, mm -hmm. that depends on where the person's at. And so, for instance, if they're taking enough action, they can start believing in themselves. So there's different ways to go about this process. I just want to go about the process in the, in the easiest, most seamless way possible. Yeah. And to do that starts here. It always yes. starts here. But you can physically take the action and learn the structure. So if a person, just like I said, if a person's wearing cleats versus not wearing cleats, the person who actually took the action to run without the cleats mm -hmm. now realizes Oh crap, I need cleats. <laughs> so everyone's journey and positioning is always going to be different. And it really comes down to, okay, what's going to work for that person in that moment? Mm. Yeah. 
So the, the answer really is it depends. Is it going to be, do they need an action to get a belief or do they need a belief to get an action? Yeah. When I did the research in, in preparation for this conversation, I went through your website and various other things. And you, you mentioned on the site that if each of these principles are working at full capacity, then your energy will begin to flow and your ability to process your environment will increase and you'll be at a heightened state of, to perform at your greatest self. I wondered if you can give a description, if it's po if, even if it's possible, what a professional life looks like when, when you are in flow. What are, the, what are the tangible examples of how flow manifests itself, if you like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. So I look at, there's the internal, external, right? And if you go okay internally, externally things will show up for you, whether that be a tool that you need, whether that be a system that you need. Uh, you're using your emotions to drive you to your purpose, driving mm -hmm. you to what you want. And so I'll give an example. Um, people think being in flow means you don't have doubt, you don't have anger, you don't have fear, you don't have any of those things. And the truth is, life's going to bring you what it brings you. Mm -hmm. But you get the choice of how you're going to show up with what it's bringing you. And that's where alignment really happens is like the sooner I can get into alignment, the sooner, I, the sooner I feel free and the sooner I feel free, the sooner I can be creative mm -hmm. and the sooner I can be creative, the sooner I can figure out the solution to the problem. Yeah. So you mentioned in that answer, you need your emotions to drive you to your, towards your purpose. Um, there's a big discussion out there, I guess, about whether we should, whether we can, whether we're able to control our emotions, what we should do about our emotions, how much we should let them free and, and live in those emotions and how much we should control them. Do we need to control our emotions to drive our purpose or how do we, what is the process around emotions to lead us towards purpose? Yeah. Um, I always say to screw it up just enough. <laughs> I'm not about burning the bridges and yeah. just be like, oh, I really screwed that one up. I'm not coming back from that. But uh, there, there's a uh, there's a story about a guy Icarus, who his father had created some some wings for him with wax and feathers, and it was to get him through. I can't remember. It was some Greek island that he was stuck on, and they he told him don't fly too high because if you fly too high it's going to melt the wings and you're going to fall but if you fly too low you're going to get caught by the guards mm -hmm. so it's really figuring out how to how to create that balancing act basically what's interesting uh when you look up the definition of entrepreneur they say they're risk takers like mm -hmm. they just take risk and to me i'm like it depends. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't just take risks just to take risk. Yeah. Like even as a UFC fighter, I wasn't like, yeah, you know, well, I'll just uh, go into the cage and see what happens. Like, no, I had a plan. I had measured a plan. I had practiced on the plan. I had done all of the things that I needed to do. Now, is there risk involved in it? Absolutely. Yes. But it's, I want as few risk as possible in this thing that I'm getting ready to partake in because mm -hmm. that's exciting to me. Um, a, a roller coaster that I'm getting on isn't very exciting to me. I know, oh, okay, I'm going to be fine. It's just moving around. But if I'm fighting against another human being or I'm doing something that that's going to keep a challenge going on, 
I like that. That's yeah. fun to me. But I also I'm I'm not this risk taker who just loves doing these daring, insane things. So it really it's figuring out what your level of tolerance is and then taking the responsibility of that level of tolerance. Hmm. You've touched on your your career as a UFC fighter or MMA fighter. Um, and it's something that must take, I would imagine, tremendous mental resilience as well as physical strength and dexterity and all of those things working together in harmony. What are the core values and principles that underpinned your UFC achievements that you've now translated into your life as a as an entrepreneur how have you taken those core characteristics from your fighting career into your career as an entrepreneur yeah so one thing that i learned uh, be unapologetic on who you are how you're going to show up because you're going to have to show up as that person a lot <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's not an overnight thing uh fighting in the UFC took years before I ever stepped into a cage. Yeah. You know, it was going from being overweight to losing the weight. It was going from the, the discipline of being a wrestler. It was going through all of that process. So I do my best to just be me, mm -hmm. simply put. And then the other piece, uh, be extremely disciplined and have fun with the discipline that you're doing. You know, don't do things because other people are telling you to do things because you won't last. It's just not going to last. And if it does, and it can, you know, take responsibility for it. I've seen several great, great athletes who weren't really, they, they didn't really like the sport that they played, hmm. but they got so good at it because they practiced it so much. You practice something enough, you're going to get good at it. And I always tell a person, Okay, you're good at this thing, but what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And why do you want to do it? I'm so thankful for my journey because I enjoyed what I was doing when I was doing it. Hmm. When I got into a cage, I wanted to get into a cage. Even when my mind was telling me not to, because there were times, you know, you get, I get a little bit nervous when I'm fighting in that cage, but I was doing it because of me. Yeah. And if I didn't do it because of me, I would have walked away. I would have gotten into that cage and reminding people hey you get the choice on what cage you're going to step into because everyone's going to step into a cage eventually yes. it's just whether you wanted to step into it or whether you didn't you mentioned in that answer and i'm sure a lot of listeners picked up on it as well you said we have to find how to have fun with the discipline and i would love to know how to have fun with the discipline so how do we have fun with discipline how do we how do we create that in our minds yeah i love that question so they talk about being in the present right maintaining the present and i i always say i always question the gray and the black and white because mm -hmm. the present's good until it's not just as the past is good until it's not and the future is good until it's not and so when we can say all right what am i focusing on and why am I focusing on this thing? If we're in the present moment and we don't like the present that we're in and we're just focusing on the present, that kind of sucks. <laughs> like, I don't see any fun in saying like, ah, oh, I hate the way that I am. So I'm just going to appreciate the way that I am, but I don't like the way that I am. Yeah. 
Like it, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I go, all right, if you're in a present moment that you don't like, go to a new future possibility. And in order to get to that future possibility, sometimes you got to look in your past mm -hmm. and say, am I living in my past? And then the other thing is true. What if you've had an amazing past and you can't even go back? You can't go in the present because you're focused on the past. Yeah. You know, I don't sit down and go like, man, I was such a great fighter, but this entrepreneur thing is really, really hard. It was just like anything is when you first start it. Yeah. But I also know it comes down to a process. And the beauty of the process is enjoying the result that you get from the process, but also appreciating and respecting the process too. You know, that puts a smile on my face to say, hey, you were this and, and now you get to be this. So you've touched on process there and in the previous answer, you mentioned your, your pre-fight journey from being overweight to learning how to wrestle, to getting physically fit, to going in the cage, taking many years to build up to that point. That takes discipline, as we've said. It, all it also comes in often exceedingly small incremental builds day after day after day. What are the mental exercises and routines you employed then and perhaps still employ now to keep you motivated, to keep full of belief and keep focused on that next goal? Yeah. So I do a breathing exercise uh, from Wim Hof specifically. Yeah, so He's uh, what, one of my favorite, one of my favorite teachers on that process. And I do do his cold showers, which shocks the heck out of me because <laughs> I never would have guessed myself to jump in, inside of a cold shower. But what's really fascinating about his process is Wim Hof himself said he doesn't like the cold. Yes. And it really, it actually inspired me even more. Like, oh my goodness, he doesn't like it <laughs> and he's crushing it. <laughs> like, I thought he always liked that. So I, I use myself and my routines and my exercises as inspiration but i also use others as inspiration and i have a saying i actually wrote this on my facebook page i go i appreciate i appreciate the the brave person because the brave person can be afraid mm -hmm. i appreciate the person who's afraid because the afraid person can be brave i appreciate the strong because the strong can become weak and i appreciate the weak because the weak can become strong and I appreciate what I appreciate most is regardless of whether you're strong, whether you're weak, whether you're brave or whether you're afraid, actions are going to determine whether you do something or not. Hmm. And that's how I look at life is, okay, am I acting towards my truth? Am I acting towards my passion? And to me, that means uh, putting a smile on my wife's face, putting a smile on my kid's face putting a smile on other people's face, mm -hmm. putting a smile on my own face and just having a lot of fun along the way while maintaining discipline because discipline feels great. It's a great, great feeling to say, I can choose what I want to choose because I've practiced a routine long enough to it be is. able to choose that thing. Yeah. That was a great quote you gave off, off the face, off your Facebook page. And, and I guess with in line with strength and weakness is courage and resilience and Resilience is a key characteristic for leaders, and we've touched on that briefly before, but it is especially today as we emerge from the pandemic, more than ever leaders have to be resilient in the face of the multiplicity of challenges we, we, we look at. How do we unlock the mental resilience within our minds that we all have, but many of us just don't believe we have? You know, I'm, I'm a 
firm believer that we are far more resilient than we ever give ourselves credit for. But I think the challenge we have is how we unlock it. And I wondered whether you had any answers in that regard. And if we unlock it, how do we then identify when it is activated? Yeah. So I always say there's a couple ways to go about this. Look at those that have been resilient before. Mm -hmm. Because when you can see others who are resilient, it makes you want to be a little more resilient. But the opposite is also true. I've seen people look into a child's eyes and they, they become kinder. They're warmer. They're, they're more caring. Um, they're more passionate. You know, mm -hmm. they, they just, there's something that changes in them. So resilience to a high level, but also seeing the innocence of a child can really sh shake a person to a new space, you know, mm -hmm. take them to a new place. And I say, figure out the place that you need to go. Because ultimately, when we when we get in trouble, it's our central nervous system going haywire. And and I always say we can become what we want to become with the right tools and the right resources. Yeah. And different tools and different resources work for different people. That's that's why I actually customize my program depending on who I'm dealing with. And the most important thing that I've ever seen is the reframe. You know, mm -hmm. reframe specifically because our belief systems can really guide our potential. If we believe that we're a certain thing and we're stuck on that certain thing, then we've, we've cut off everything else. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be very bad. And ultimately I, I look at people and say, what do you need in the moment that you need it? Sometimes a person just needs to hear an amazing beat. You know, I remember when I would, uh, my central nervous system would be going nuts when I was getting ready to fight. And I knew I couldn't let it because I would have an adrenaline dump. It wouldn't be a good place. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, how do I, how do I calm myself down? Something as simple as listening to music that just had a beat that kept me present in the moment because the, the future moment was coming. Yes. So I couldn't anxiously wait for the future. I just had to be in the moment of the now. Yeah. And it took me to that now place so that I could be prepared for the next state that I would be in when I was in it. For those people that do want to reframe, as, as you say, the way they think about resilience, the way they think about many other characteristics and attributes that they have, what is the first practical step that they can take along that journey to reframing the way they think about resilience or whatever it happens to be what's the thing they could do tomorrow yeah so the one thing that i've done i had one guy who just he would beat the crap out of himself never believed in himself and i reminded him there's a fighter in him you get a choice either you choose to be one way or you choose to be the other way and the cool thing is you always get a choice of every second, of every minute, of mm -hmm. every hour, of every day. And if you just say, okay, if I have more seconds where I'm choosing right than not choosing incorrectly, <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm winning that game a little bit more. Yeah. Momentum will carry over. And so I would remind, I remind everybody who's listening, there's a fighter in you. That fighter's never gone. 
And even if you've been beaten up and knocked out, and many of us have, the fighter's not gone. They're still inside of you. And if you can just believe in that fighter and look in the mirror and feel uncomfortable looking in the mirror and say, there's a fighter in me, and repeat that as many times as you have to until the uncomfortable becomes comfortable, it's going to start showing up differently in your life. Mm. And is, is that part of the process? I mean, you had a tremendously successful career as a fighter, but inevitably you would have had a couple of losses as well. How did you, is that what you used to come back from those losses? Yeah. Yeah. I, so there's a, I always say there's your support, your systems and your strategy. And I always look, where's my support at? Mm-hmm. And I, I try and reframe everything to be some form of support. Now that's like some Jedi stuff that takes a lot of practice. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you can take toxic things and those, and you can find power in them. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to someone who's just beginning. So your support systems are supposed to make you feel good, supposed to make you feel light, supposed to bring you up. And so that could be someone giving you a, Hey, great job. That could be someone giving you uh, constructive criticism in a healthy way, just Mm -hmm. to move you in the right direction. And then there's the system. You know, everybody has a system and I I focus on feedback loops for Mm -hmm. like people's habits because I never say people don't wake up in the in the morning and say, how can I screw today up? (laughs) They're not they're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And when they realize, like, wait a minute, what where are my systems taking me all over the place? Yeah. And my systems do that to me, too. You know, I have good systems and I have bad systems. And eventually I go, oh, I can have more good systems than bad systems. And I can constantly improve on those systems. And even when you completely improve on a system, sometimes, I don't know, pandemics like COVID happen. Like things just get hit out of whack. And now that's okay. Because it allows you the opportunity to improve on a new system or create a new system. And then the strategy behind the system is like, all right, what strategy is going to work best for me? Is it going to be a strategy like looking in the mirror every day and saying, I am a fighter? Is it going to be something like what simple thing can I do day in and day out that's going to continually move me forward and do it day in and day out? Here's what, when I talk about discipline being fun, this is how cool this is. It doesn't happen linearly. It's exponentially. So if you're doing something over and over and over again, you've mastered it so much You can actually put it away. I'm not saying to do this, but you can put it away, let it rust, let it, let it get dull and you'll sharpen it up faster than most would do just because of the reps you put in, in the beginning. Yes. And that's always a reminder for me. Whenever I go like, all right, the thing that I'm doing is showing up at an exponential rate. It makes it worth doing it on a daily basis. Do you you think part of the challenge is that we have become in some respects, too adverse to pain and too expectant of having a good life and having the right life. And actually that, you know, high emotions and low emotions are both part of life and pain and suffering and enjoyment and love and all of those things. There is a a yin to every yang, but we, we seem to focus so much on things must be good. Things must be happy. But do you think we need to reframe the way we, we look at life in the round in order to have a more balanced appreciation of 
all of those things in life, not just the good. Yeah. Um, I think that's always a more internal journey than an external journey. Mm. You know, like even with everything showing up right now, everyone thinks it's an external journey. It's still more of an internal journey. You know, people are scared. They're yes. fearful. So if you get a group of fearful people, you look at it like, oh, look at what's happening. It's so bad. We're splitting. We're separated. We're this. We're that. Well, that's because we're we're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. We're focusing on the external saying like, oh, well, if everybody had the right system, everyone's system's different. Everyone's strategy is different. Yeah. Everyone's process is different. So there isn't a perfect system that we can use for every single individual. It's like looking at a movie, like if you had a movie projector and you see the screen and there's something on the movie projector and you're trying to clean the screen, it's not going to change anything. It's on the projector. Yeah, that makes sense. I I wondered whether you sort of in line with that, whether you think there's a bit of an inherent conflict in in business leadership today. You know, we seem to want decisive and brave and motivated leadership, which is needed to respond to the constant changes that we have and disruptions and pressure. Yet at the same time, we want a business culture that is more responsive to creativity and radical thinking and is freer and more empathetic. And I wondered whether you felt a a leader can genuinely deliver all of those things. So we become what we practice. Mm -hmm. And some people are naturally more gifted in some things than others. I'll give an example. Some people are faster. Some people jump higher. Some people are stronger. Some people's intellectual IQ is higher. It doesn't mean they'll get the result because everything depends on it's situational. And so if I'm in a situation and it's me and you, Paul, for instance, and you're more apt at a certain situation than I am, I'll be like, all right, Paul, what do we do? Because you're the leader in this situation. And and if I'm more apt in a situation, I would hope you would say the same thing. Yes. And that, that's how I look at life. I'm like, wait a minute, we're all on the same side. I think we forget that. Yeah. And we go, we're supposed to be this and this and this way. Well, yeah, we're going to be the thing that we're used to being and what we're conditioned to be. But when times change, and they will, and when life change, and it will, then what are we going to do? How are we going to adapt to the situation? You are working, supporting entrepreneurs in a, in a coaching and a leadership role and a mentoring role. You've had a tremendous successful professional career from a sporting perspective. I wondered who some of those key mentors were for you through the course of your career that has got you to where you are. Who has mentored you in your career? Yeah. So I had um, my high school coaches meant a lot to me. I had uh, Coach Knudsen, Coach Kiefer, uh, Coach Cook, all amazing individuals. And their their voices still ring, ring true in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, my, in my athletic career as an ASU wrestler, I have uh, Tom Ortiz. You know, Coach Ortiz is a, is a person that rings true in my head. And in my professional fighting career, I had uh, Trevor Lally and Todd Lally and uh, Steve Rosenberg. And in my entrepreneurial career, I've had uh, Steve Cipress 
I've had Tom Matson, uh, Russell Brunson, uh, Pedro Deo. And uh, what's interesting, I also say people are telling us what, teaching us what to do, and people are also teaching us what not to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to give the names of the people who taught me what <laughs> not to do, but, <laughs> but I will say I hold on to those lessons very dearly. Yeah. You know, I look at a situation and I ask, uh, how close is their life to the life I want to have? And okay, if it's not the way that I want it, what practices are they doing that are not going to benefit me very well? And, yeah. and I stray away from those practices and go towards the practices that do get me to where I want to go. And Tony Robbins, uh, who's always, he's uh, rang in my ear yeah. since the beginning because I actually got into personal development very, very young. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to a lot of what he did and, and what he talks about. And he's he's all about being resourceful, which is yeah. very, very powerful to me. It's saying like, okay, there's always a resourceful way to make yes. this better and yeah. do better. What What is leadership to you? How, how do you define leadership? And what are the, the characteristics that define it for you? It's changed as I've gone through my journey. Uh, one thing that really hit me so my dad, he, he loved my leadership qualities. Mm-hmm. And real quick, on a segue, just so not to confuse everybody, that biological dad, who he, he just left when I was very, very young. And then I had my mom. My mom ended up remarrying to a, a man that's been there for me uh, since he became my dad. You know, and he was always there for me. And so I re, uh, respect and appreciate his words of wisdom and going through my journey when he called me a leader i never had really the leadership titles and so i started researching and understanding leadership and realizing uh, i was from john maxwell i read a book from him and he calls uh it's like the five principles of the five roles to leadership i cannot remember the title of the book but reading that and understanding what leadership was, I was just kind of like, wow, you know, and and what a leader does, they don't just educate you, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But they inspire you. uh, They listen to you. They educate you. They have you put in the reps, (laughs) like they're going to have you put in the reps. And uh, that's when I stepped back and like, holy crap, I I am a leader, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was really weird to actually say that because I always looked at a leader as someone who had a title, but it's not the title that you have. It's how you show up to the world. Yeah. And the way that I show up to the world is I'm going to have my power. I believe in my power. I'm going to stand for my power and I want others to do the same. Yeah. You know, I want, I want everyone to be on equal playing field and say, Hey, we're doing this for ourselves and for the whole, for the community. Yeah. And when we show up that way, everybody wins. You talked about earlier in one of the answers about the the anxiety you got before some of the big fights um, and the nervousness and that you put the music on to help keep that beat or keep you in the present with that beat. And there's often a perception, I think, that sometimes with sports people and successful business people that they have, they've mastered their mind, they've beaten the fragility in their mind, but the more sports people and business people I speak to, the more you you realize that they are still 
have as many self-doubts and as many limiting beliefs as, as the rest of us. They've just managed to conquer them in certain areas. I wondered what, despite your tremendous success, what self-doubts and limiting beliefs do you continue to carry and, and how do you manage these? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a guy named David Goggins and oh, his David book Goggins, yeah. is yeah. You Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. And you can just see it in his eyes. Like he's just intense <laughs> to say the least. I mean, intense <laughs> times a thousand yeah. or infinite, if you want to use that number. Uh, but I look at it and one thing, and this may even be my mind playing with itself right now. I don't, I can't quite say. Yeah. I have fears. I have doubts, but damn, do I believe in myself? Like, I believe that I can put anything together if I just put in the reps. And I feel I have that because I've shown it to be true. And I've also practiced doing it. Mm -hmm. I feel everyone can have that. I don't feel like it's this magical thing that only a select few can have. It's just what you choose to practice. With that being said, everything has a double-edged sword to it, though, too. Yeah. And just because I believe something... I still have to put in the reps. I still have to take the actions. I still have to fall and get up. And so when my body, my, my body gets nervous sometimes, mm -hmm. it does. You know, when it's doing something new, I just know I gotta act on the new thing. I have time to think about like what my mind like. I'm like, what? There's... So I'm just acting on the new thing and the body, the body kind of flows with it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And the mind's just like, oh, he's gonna do it anyway. So. Let's just hold on for the ride. Do you think that gets any easier? Or do you think every new challenge where you have to convince your mind, convince your body to move forward, do you think you start back in the same place? Or do you think all of that foundational work, that groundwork eventually puts you in a better place to meet the new challenge, whatever that new challenge happens to be? Yeah, you know, it, it really comes to a flow of things. Um, I will give you an example. That's such a great question. So on my entrepreneurial journey, my thought is to make a lot of money. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It, it takes all of these things, right? And then I was listening to one guy. His name's Myron Golden. Mm -hmm. And I heard him on, on Russell Brunson's Funnel Hacking Live. And he said something that really shifted my thinking. And he goes, it's easier to make a lot of money in a little bit of time than it is to make a little money in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and that that punched me between the eyes. Because yeah. I'm like, crap, I've been doing this way harder <laughs> than it has to be. Like, I've been making this harder myself. But that's what our mind does. You know, it, it knows the reality that it knows. So since it knows that reality, it's only going to know that until it's challenged by a new reality. Yes. And so my, my reality was finally challenged. So, so the question of, of belief, yeah, I always believe in myself. I'm like, Oh, I'm always going to believe in myself. And I know this, 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 Oh crap. I just learned something different. <laughs> U-turn. And that's what life is. Yeah. Clifford, at the end of each podcast, we give, um, or we invite guests to give listeners a couple of key takeaways that they would like them to hold on to from the discussion and maybe use in their lives and in their businesses, what would those two key takeaways be from your perspective? Yeah. 
So to my entrepreneurs, um, keep doing what you're doing. And what I mean by that is keep dreaming big because there's a reason why you became what you became. And you became it because you didn't want to be the status quo. You wanted to be something different. And as you dream big, uh, go around other big dreamers because they're actually going to challenge you to think even bigger. And when you can do that, wow. You know, they say the sky's the limit, and I say there really is no limit. We can stretch ourselves as far as the human imagination can imagine, and even further from that, because once we cross it, it becomes a new imagination. So keep believing in your journey. Remember there's greatness in you, and you are unstoppable. You just have to keep moving forward and believing in you. Fantastic advice to uh, finish the podcast on. Clifford, thank you so much for your time today on the new PL. It's been a, a real pleasure to uh, to talk with you. Thank you, Paul. 100% appreciate it. My pleasure. To learn more about what Clifford does and how he can help you as an entrepreneur or business leader, please go to cliffordstarks.com. And you'll also find the links and the notes that accompany this podcast, as well as all of Clifford's social links. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, please do take a moment to rate us or review us. It all helps with our ratings and our rankings. And if you'd like to join the new PNL movement for more principled leadership and more purpose-led business, then please just go to principlesandleadership.com and subscribe. We would love to have you as part of our community. So I'm Paul, host of the new PNL. Thank you once again for listening and have a great day.